What's up, everybody? It's your host, Rob Morris. You listen to the Rims and Nets podcast, episode 50. All right, so like I always start, this is another packed show. We got a lot to talk about. Um, where do I start as far as like championship week, college basketball? Um, Selection Sun is just 40 hours away. You got the, w- the way the Boston Celtics have been playing this past week. Jason Tatum's emerging into um, what did I say? Top 10? Well, top 10 player, man. I mean, it's truly looking like he's made a huge leap within this past couple weeks. I mean, he's he was brilliant in that performance against the Brooklyn Nets, had 54 points against the best best there is out there with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and uh it was a ABC nationally broadcast game and he was able to do what stars do in big moments. So that had to be Without a doubt, probably one of his better games of his career. And to have that in that atmosphere, in that environment, was just a huge, huge um, thing for, you know, e- ego boost. E- I would say ego boost, but obviously just a huge thing to put on his career. It's a really, a really, a really big confidence boost. That's probably the better way to say it. And... And so far, I mean, they haven't lost since they've they uh they lost ten they they won ten straight and then uh, they snapped it to Detroit, which they played tonight. I was just watched the end of that game and they were able to win that. So right now they're they won six in a row. So after that loss, they was able to whip whip up six games after that. Win, uh, win six straight. So the Celtics are definitely firing on all cylinders right now. Um, we got maybe about what I say about maybe six weeks left of the season. I would say about a month because the season ends around you know April fifteenth or so. You know they got about a month or so left. And it's going to be quick. I I mean, it's a pretty favorable schedule. I think this schedule definitely favors them. That they can definitely... They definitely have gained a, gained a lot of ground in the standings. Right now, they're at fourth fourth right now, tied with the Bulls. If they haven't surpassed them already, I think the Bulls might be fifth. And they might be standing at fourth all alone. So, last time I checked, they were, I mean, they were tied with the Bulls. But I think... After this win, I think they didn't. Uh, the Bulls didn't play tonight, so they right now stand at forty-one and twenty-seven. Let me see. I just want to double check on. I think it's they stand around. I know they won forty-one games, but uh, yeah, forty-one and twenty-seven. So a nice win against the Pistons. They did struggle a little bit. During the game to kind of pull away, but later on, you know, in the fourth quarter, they were able to pull away. Uh, Kate Cunningham had a great game. 
look at the box score right now. I feel like Kate Cunningham was literally living in the lane all game long. He ended up having 27. I thought he had 30. I was like, yo, this dude is literally uh, getting by everybody that was in front of him. And it, it really felt like he was scoring on all possessions, especially like, a few sequences in the third quarter. I thought he was money. Especially in the first half, I thought he was money as well. So it's like him and Jeremy Grant and Bagley that came through with the trade with the Kings. The Pistons have been playing good basketball late. This one team that they've struggled against through this streak has been the Pistons. I think the Pistons have really played the Celtics tough. And they played them probably three games within the past three weeks or so. They pretty much played them throughout this stretch where they've been playing their best basketball this season. And the Pistons beat them one time before the All-Star break. And then uh, they played them tough that Saturday afternoon matinee game. And then they were able to beat them tonight, which, you know, those last two games were pretty tough. So give the Celtics a lot of credit for closing this one out. It wasn't easy. Because, I mean, and another guy, what's another guy that, uh, Sequeet Bay is another guy that gives them problems, Celtics problems as well. They were able to keep him somewhat in check. Only had nine tonight. He did have a few sequences where I thought, oh, uh oh, it looks like he's about to go off. But he only had nine. So we got Grant with 20, you had Bagley with 20, and then Cunningham with 27. And then obviously Tatum had another 30-point night. Uh, he had 40 the other night against Charlotte. As again, they looked very... It's like they cruise in these games. They they kind of sleepwalk in the first half against these bad teams. I don't. Sometimes I don't like it. I wish they would just take care of business and blow the game out early in the game. But um, usually they just sleepwalk and they just pull away at the end. And that's what they've been doing. Against these, you know, mediocre bad teams. Sometimes it can hurt you. It hurt them against Indiana. That was one of the uh, games I was disappointed afterwards. And I ended up having that little short live stream. Which you'll probably find before this pod. Um, there was like a short stream that I had. Just, you know. Just pretty much just. Letting my um, frustration go on that. Sometimes that's probably the best material that I have is like when I'm, you know, disappointed after a game. That, and I believe me, I'm the type that really gets into it. And I was disappointed because I thought it was a little bit like the the Celtics of, of before the streak. So I'm glad I was wrong. You know, I don't think I was really wrong. I was just trying to just trying to, if it was me to like, I mean, I know there was a lot of Celtic fans that was disappointed at the Indiana game or it is one game. I used to think that it was one game, but I just thought it was a crucial stretch in the season. You can't lose games against teams that that are beatable games down the stretch when you're trying to gain ground in the standings, at least get a better seed, at least get home court advantage. Right now, they're in a good spot right now. I think that was before I was able to see this, the standings and stuff. I think they were, at the time, I thought they were a little bit at the six. I think they were, at, I think at the time in the Indiana game, I think they were at the six, 
they were a six seed. And then they rolled up the six straight wins after that, after that loss. So things are looking good. Um, obviously, the biggest game of the season will be on Sunday as KG's getting his number retired um, right after the game. So if anyone's going to check that out, that's going to be a, a great, great event. Uh, Paul, Paul Pierce was in the stands today to watch the game today. So you're already seeing people roll in. And they're really calling it like a KG weekend, which it, which it is. I mean, it's a home, you know, you're pretty much in a home stand. And you have two home games coming into that game. So it's definitely going to be a good sight to see KG and a lot of the... um. The, the, pretty much the players from that 08 team, I'm pretty sure they'll all be there. Doc Rivers probably will be there. I mean, I, he may not. I don't know. I mean, that might be a tough thing for him to be. What, he's a Sixers head coach, and then, yeah, he probably won't be there. I I was just hoping that he would be there, but you never know. You never know. He might show up. If, if the Sixers are not playing, I'm pretty sure he wouldn't want to miss that. I know it's a little conflict of interest because he is playing in a team that literally in our division or the Celtics division, but it'd be nice to see pretty much everyone from that 08-07-08 team pretty much show up and, you know, show support. So it should be a fun, fun event. It's definitely been, it's been an eventful season, obviously. We talked about the All-Star game with those events, as um, far as like the 75th anniversary team, and Celtics have their own 7th anniversary thing with their legends and stuff. So I think that they will probably have something like that um, on Sunday as they, you know, celebrated another player being raised up to the Raptors. So it's, it's going to be a good, good, good night. And I'm definitely going to enjoy it. Hopefully we win, get the win against a pretty good team that is playing good basketball as well. Luka Doncic and the Mavs, they've been really, really hot right now. One of the hottest teams in the NBA. So this should be fun. Two of the most hottest teams in the NBA are going at it on a, you know, late afternoon game against thousands and thousands of people that will be watching it on national televised. Um, ABC stage, just like how it was last week. So it should be another great game. I'm definitely looking forward to it. But uh, let's take a look at what's going on as far as, like, you know, the rest of the episode. This probably will be three segments for sure. Um, obviously, we're going to talk about championship week, which we'll get to that in a moment. You know, Pretty much tell you what's going on with Vermont, Bryant, which Bryant looked pretty good the other night. Peter Kiss is playing. Um, I mean, the kid's playing like a star right now. Like, he had 34 points. We're going to get into that. UConn playing against Providence, which I'm going to check on that right now, which pretty much that game is is currently on. Let me check that out. 
at the score of that. It's definitely a, a really good game. It was in halftime the last time I checked and pretty much neck and neck game. So right now Villanova's up 44 to 40 against Yukon. A little bit under 15 in the second half. Whoa. Tyrese Martin almost flushed one in. But I he's one of my favorite players for UConn. I would think UConn has a team that's definitely has the ability to win this one. I think they had the most talented team. As far as like just their how they have the, the versatility on both ends of the floor. How about Whaley almost blocking that shot? So I'm just saying, yeah, I'm just into this game. It's a big game. Semi-final Big East Conference Tournament. A lot is on the line. I think I'm pretty much thinking that these two teams that play pretty much are gonna end up winning the Big East as Providence, which is the, the next team we'll probably talk about, you know, did not do well tonight. Lost to Creighton in a blowout. We'll pretty much talk about that as well. So I would say, yeah, we got a lot to talk about tonight. Obviously, high school basketball to end the show. Figure, uh, we're going to tell you what happened with the main championship. High school playoffs. Connecticut and and uh, Massachusetts just started their high school play. Well, they started it like uh, late last week, actually. So kind of late getting into that. But I will pretty much tell you all the results of what, what's going on. BC High is looking good. They look like they're in the driver's seat to win it all as they've been pretty much wiping out all the teams that they've faced against. You got with Connecticut, Bristol Central. I think they played the other night. Or, they, yeah, they played last night, so we get to see what Bristol Central did. Donovan Klingian, Donovan Klingian, see what he did. Top player in Connecticut. Um, Going to get into Vermont. How their playoff results, um, which the championship already happened on both uh, Division One. Well, excuse me, that is Maine. What am I talking about? Vermont. They have Division One, which I'm going to cover. Um, Division Two, I'm not going to be able to cover that, but I know Montre Mont Montpelier is probably the best player in Division Two. I think they won it all, but I'm not 100% sure on that. But you got you got Vermont. Um, you got uh Maine, like I said, we just mentioned Maine, you got Massachusetts, then you got Connecticut, and then Rhode Island as well to pretty much wrap up the show. So get your popcorn ready. If you're watching college basketball while you listen to me, then that's probably a good little multi-taxing action while you while I uh, I get into what's going on with basketball right now because it's a lot, a lot, a lot. Definitely a definitely a, a really a packed show today. So let's get it started. 
But first, um, let's take a look at like how Tatum has been on this tear. Because, I mean, we looked at how they did against the Grizzlies with John Morant. He, he, he was very good in that one. Then you have, you know, the Nets on last Sunday, 54 points. Looked very good in that one. Hornets on Wednesday had a 40-point night out of nowhere. Pretty much had like a crazy second half. Where I think it, it felt like he had like 30-something points in, the, in that half. Didn't watch the game. Uh, because I was working at the time, was working my side job at the time, but I was able to listen to it on the radio, and I was uh, listening to Sean Graney have the call, and I just thought Jason Tatum was just just really going off, and it really looked like the Hornets was just gonna kind of do what you know the Pacers did, and kind of do what the Pistons were gonna do, and kind of just stick around in that game and make it tough on us to close the game out, but. I tell you what, Tatum right now is just on a crazy tear where he can kind of just play with the game. Usually, like, the best players, they can just play with the game and just turn it on when they want to. That's how he's playing right now. He can literally turn it on when he wants to. He can kind of sleepwalk in the first quarter of games and then just get hot. And when he gets hot, he's tough to stop. He's very streaky. But I, I can't really call him streaky because we all know that he's just... When he can go get a bucket, he can go get a bucket. I mean, look at the way... The way he's scoring now is... Is... Stuff I wasn't really seeing from him before. Particularly the way he's playing off the ball. The way he's playing off the ball... Like, he caught two lobs in that Hornets game the other night. When's the last time you ever seen Jason Tatum catch lobs? Never. I mean, that's something that's never really been a part of his game. And now he's starting to cut to the rim, play well. He's been playing well off of Marcus Smart. Rob Williams has been doing good at, you know, finding him in, in high post passes. Al Horford has been doing a good at passing the ball. One thing I would like, one thing I'm, I'm seeing the difference between this team compared to teams in the past, is that they're playing um, a high-level basketball game where they're, they, they're surrounded by a bunch of high basketball IQ players. You got guys like Marcus Smart that his awareness has definitely been much better than I've seen of late. His, his vision is particularly on, really on both ends of the floor, offensively and defensively. You're seeing a lot more deflections from Smart. You're seeing a lot more steals. He's one of the I think he's top five in steals right now. If I want to double check that, I believe he is. I mean, he's averaging well well over two steals a game. So, yeah, so he's averaging five and a half assists a game, almost four rebounds a game. Still not shooting particularly particularly well 41 percent but he's been his shot selection has been well improved he doesn't take bad shots he takes good shots and he's taken a lot of good shots of late especially of late 
he's really improved his his shot selection and just like I said, his vision and aware his awareness on both ends of the floor has definitely improved. And maybe you're seeing some of that with Tatum as well. They're all starting to hit their peak. You know, particularly with Tatum and particularly with Smart, they're starting to hit their peak when it comes down to their awareness is getting better. And that and that tends to happen when you gain more experience. You see more things. You 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 see things ahead where certain players like Ricky's or 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 younger players they're kind of just you know. They'll play. They'll play. They'll play their abilities, or their, what their capabilities are, but they won't. They won't understand the nuances of the game. And certain guys early on get it before you know some guys do. Like, particularly with Jalen Brown, which is he's gotten better, but I still think he has a lot to work on. Particularly with you know playing off the ball, but he's getting better. As you know, the season has gone on, his awareness has gotten better. But that's the thing I think with Marcus Smart and even Tatum. Tatum already has a high basketball IQ. When he came into the league, he had a high basketball IQ. It's just gotten better and better and better, and and he has the skill set to match, which makes him flat out unguardable. Because now he he has the the IQ match with his skill set and his athleticism and you know his frame and and. And how strong he's gotten over the years with just building up his body. This is why he's having such a, you know, MVP caliber year because of, you know, he just put in the work and, you know, just him being out there. I believe it's his fifth season. I see his fourth. He's only 24 years old, guys. Like he's, but he came in the league when he was 19. So I think this is his fifth season, which. It would be, cause it. This is how I know, right? Cause it's like Marcus Smart has been in the league for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Wow, I can't believe he's been in the league for eight years. <laughs> like that's like wow. I didn't know Marcus Smart was an eight-year vet, but Marcus Smart is an eight-year vet. And it shows. I think he's starting to hit his 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 prime, his peak right now. He's starting to hit his peak. And he's still very young. Still very young. I think he's only 20. He just turned 28. I think he had a birthday recently. He turned 28. So and he got in the league young too, 20 years old or so. So you have Smart, which is the most experienced self. Then you have Jalen Brown. He came in right after him, the draft class right after him. He's in his seventh season. And then you have Tatum. If it's Tatum's sixth year, I'd be, like, really surprised if it is Jason Tatum's. Can't be. It's just, It's got to be his fifth year, dude. It's got to be his fifth year. Let's see. Yeah, it's his fifth year. He's been in the league since 2007. And I think 
Jalen Brown was probably the year right after him. So Jalen Brown's in his fifth year. Wow, I did, I thought Marcus Smart was literally like the year after Jalen Brown. So I guess I got that one wrong. <laughs> I got that one wrong. But uh Yeah, that's that's crazy. He's only twenty four years old and he's been in the league for I think five years. Seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Yeah, so five years. Tatum's five years, Jalen Brown's six years, and Marcus Smart is in year eight. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Time has flying. Time has definitely flew by. Yeah, the KG ceremony is definitely going to be lit. Mavericks. It's going to be interesting to see how the Mavs. Rick Carlisle. Oh, excuse me. What am I talking about? Rick Carlisle is in Indiana. Jason Kidd. It'll be interesting to see what he does, how he guards Jason Tatum, because he's literally been on a tear and. I've seen the Pistons do a little double-teaming him. Definitely crowding him, getting the ball out of his hands. So we have to see what Jason Kidd's strategy is going to be because we all know what Steve Nash did and it wasn't, wasn't successful at all. So we'll have to see. But, uh, yeah, championship week. Nova looking good against UConn. So championship week. Um, Vermont, the star of Vermont, which this team right here has had a very good season, twenty-seven and five. They're led by Ryan Davis and Brent Chungru. Uh, Ryan Davis he averages seventeen points per game, five point eight rebounds per game. Ben Chugur averages 15.8 points per game, four rebounds per game. More of a bigger guard, you know, bigger combo guard can, as a scoring type guard. So those two guys, you got Shungu, you got Davis, and you got a lot of other guys that do well off the bench. Isaiah Powell's one of their better rebounders. So they got a lot of pieces that you definitely have to look out for as well as those two, you know, top dogs. And right now, if you look at some of their team statistics, they're seventh in the nation in field goal percentage, which has a lot to do with Ryan Davis. Ryan Davis is one of the most efficient players out there. And one thing I like to do is, like, figure out how a lot of these these um you know these underdog type teams where you would kind of subscribe you kind of would describe Vermont as that type of team and they've had a history of it i mean we all know what they were able to do against Syracuse way back in the day was his uh, was his name Taylor Kappenroth he was able to hit that deep three from almost half court to beat Syracuse or Pretty much put that game out of reach where they beat Syracuse. So Vermont has the the ability to definitely be a giant killer, and I think they definitely are fitting of that resume. 
I don't know if some people was going to give them a, a automatic, uh, excuse me, not an automatic bidder, but an at-large bid. But they deserve it, even though they don't, they haven't really played a lot of teams. Um, as far as like their non-conference schedule, they did have a couple close calls. I think they played against Maryland early in the season, and it was a pretty uh, tough game against Maryland. Take a look at their schedule to double-check that. Yeah, so they end up losing to Maryland 68-57. to They beat Northern Iowa 71-57. to That's a pretty decent game. Northern Iowa's not a great team, but they're good. They beat Yale, which right now Yale's literally sitting in the semifinals in the Ivy League right now as they have a chance to possibly get into the tournament. Obviously, they'd have to get an automatic bid, but they beat Yale 61-53. So they had a couple of nice wins. They did lose to Providence by 10, 60-58. Close game, man. UConn and Villanova, 59-42. But Vermont has definitely been a team to look out for all year long. They were expected to be this team, and they pretty much haven't disappointed. As they're right now sitting in the American East Championship game, which will be on tomorrow morning at 11 a.m., Probably the first thing you do, wake up. There'll be college basketball right when you wake up. <laughs> I know I know a lot of people sleeping on Saturdays. That, I know that's how I am on Sunday. This is my only day off from pretty much all my jobs. And that is a huge... Well, I wouldn't say a huge matchup because I really think Vermont will pretty much handily beat UMBC. But that's a team that has a little bit of history of late. They've been in the tournament for the past couple of years. I think they've been in it, I think, twice within the past couple of years. So they have some a little, they have a little bit of, of experience being at that stage. But Vermont is a team that is deep, man. I think they had... 90-something points a couple weeks ago. Not a couple weeks ago. They had 98 points against New Jersey. uh, New Jersey uh, Institute of Technology. They beat them by 40 the other night this past Sunday. And that was pretty much the quarterfinal of the American East. And then the semifinal against Biggington, they beat them by 30. So they're just handily beating teams. They're absolutely just just shellacking a lot of their competition in the American East. It's not even close with a lot of these games, man. There was one game that they had close against UMass Lowell. They beat them by one. But it's been it's been every game that they played has been a laugher. Their only blemish of late on Valentine's Day, I guess they were thinking about other people besides 
besides the game as they lost that game 75 to 74 so yeah man they definitely definitely not playing their they're definitely playing their best ball right now and I look for them to easily be and it is the number two seed UMBC I'm gonna take a look at what their record is real quick Yeah, they, they can score a little bit themselves. They scored 93 points against UMass Lowell. They beat Harford by 20. So they it, this should be a good game. I, I'm not going to rule out UMBC. This is a team that they got, they got that experience. They definitely got that experience. You can't rule UMBC out. I was trying to figure out their record. UMBC. 18 and 13. Uh, they've had some blemishes. But I'll just see who they played in non-conference. They played UMass. They played. They actually beat Pittsburgh. So they beat an ACC team this year. But Pittsburgh's not a good basketball team this year. Nevertheless, they're still a Power Five team. And they've been playing well of late. They've won five straight coming to this game. So they're playing their best basketball this season right now. So, if I'm Vermont, just play the basketball that you've been playing. And I just got to like their chances in this one. They definitely should win with Ben Chugru and Ryan Davis. They just have a lot of versatility on that offensive end, and they have a lot of depth. They can really hurt you with a lot of different players off that bench. I got Vermont winning that one. But it should be close. It should be a close game. I think UMBC is a team that still is a respectable team right now. So, so I think they'll definitely give them a game. But I think Vermont will roll probably by 10 points or so. Probably win, probably win in the 70s or so. Both of those teams can kind of get up and down and score at a high level. Next one is definitely going to be fun to talk about. This team is definitely surprised a lot of people. Well, not some. Some people that are, you know, that know the Northeast Conference well. I came along in the season, thought they were going to win the Northeast Conference, and I pretty much got that one right. Um, they finished off the, Brian finished off the season 21-9. and nine. And it helps when you have the nation's best scorer on your team and Peter Kiss. Uh, he put on a show the other night. <laughs> as I'm pretty sure a lot of y'all seen the game. Y'all seen the, the fight and brawl afterwards. 
But Peter Kiss was putting on a show, making a lot of impact plays on both ends of the floor, getting steals, getting alley-oops, getting dunks. I mean, dude's doing two-hand tomahawk dunks in in transition, just putting on a show out there. For a lot of those fans out there, it was a home game for Bryant. As pretty much in a lot of these smaller schools, they don't get to play in those big neutral sites that a lot of the Power Five teams get get to play in. They have to play in, depending on you know the seed. Usually, the higher seed gets a home, gets to play at their home crowd. So Bryant had the home court advantage and the home cooking. And as you can see, a lot of the a lot of the students were trash talking, and I think a lo- I think the other team couldn't take it. <laughs> Or or maybe vice versa. I don't know. But obviously, the team that's you know, beating up on the other team by 30-something points, I'm pretty sure they've been talking a lot of trash. So that's probably what's stir up that, that big um, that big scene at the end. It's it's just crazy, but uh, I if, as far as I know, I would say Peter Kiss is definitely a player to look out for in March. You know, you always have that one guy that can kind of take over a game. He has that ability to take over a game. So sometimes that can win you a game in a one-game do-or-die situation. You've seen Steph Curry did it with Davidson a couple years back when he was in college. Which, shoot, we can go back for a, a, long, a while since, you know, he Steph Curry was in college. That was probably, what, well over 10 years or so. 10 years. Of, I, I can't even think of the... It feels like yesterday. That's the crazy thing. That's how time just completely flies, but... Yeah, man, Steph Curry, Davidson. Yeah, I don't know. Wow. <laughs> man, Google something else. I just searched Steph Curry, and they literally have a 3D version of his jump shot. So I guess 2K does not have an excuse anymore. They they can't get a jump shot right. After <laughs> Google has a 3D version of it, then you sh- man 2K. They gotta get all all the jump shots right, dude. Because <laughs> sometimes they be they be messing up on the jump shots, but you got a 3D version of it in Google, so it's no excuse at this point. As far as like the top players making their jump shots. You know, not the real thing. But uh, it's always like they struggle with LeBron's jump shot all the time. I, I get it. Like, certain times he changes it. But it seems like LeBron's jump shot is pretty similar to what it's always been. I mean, he might make a tweak here and there. But it's never really changed that much. And it's just like, man, <laughs> 2K always finds a way to mess it up. But joking aside, talking about Peter Kiss. Yeah, man, it's always that one guy that 
has the ability to be an impact player. And I think Peter Kiss definitely fits the mold on that. And then he also has like a somewhat of a dynamic duel with uh may not be as talented as Kiss, but Charles Pride is the other guard that he that he plays alongside him. Averages 18 points per game and has eight rebounds per game. So he plays pretty big for his size. Overall, they're a pretty good rebounding team. Fifth in the nation in rebounding, even though they're not a huge team. They're like maybe the tallest guy is 6'8". So not an overly big team, but their guards play bigger. Peter Kiss is a good rebounder. Charles Pride is a good rebounder. Both of those guys play bigger than their size. And you look at Peter Kiss, he's a very good athlete, as you've seen in a lot of these seen in the game or you've seen in, in the highlights in the film. Like that's one thing that stands out from him. Now as like a scouting perspective, which I'm gonna be really looking to see what he's about in this first round game that he has. Or we'll see what if he actually gets into the um actually gets into the bracket or he has to play the first four. So it'll be fun to see see him against you know higher level competition to see if he can actually keep up that you know nation leading scoring ability so you seen I was I, I like to read the comments cuz I was watching the highlights and stuff and I was reading like the comments on like YouTube and stuff and it's like well and people were really getting pissed off at how co- how cocky was acting at the jump shots it was I it was like one it was one play where he was he made a dunk or whatever, or he had a three-point play, and then he was, like, doing push-ups. People don't act like they've never seen that before. I, I think there was, like, a Duke player, I think Dante Jones or whatever. He ended up dunking on someone and then did push-ups afterwards. Like, I mean, that's part of the game. Like, I don't get why people have to think players have to be humble all the time. I, I see I like it. I, it brings excitement to the game. And just shows that how how that he that he's passionate about playing is like he's gonna you know kind of <laughs> showboat or you know what I'm saying you see with the NFL and no one doesn't talk crap about that but when a basketball player does it it's a huge problem like oh he shouldn't be showboating he's hogging up the game or he's he's he's, he's you know he's he's slowing up the game by by celebrating and stuff I'm just like bro. Let them have fun. I mean, that's the whole part of the game. That's the whole point is to have fun, right? Like, you're not supposed to just be be a robot and be stiff. Like, <laughs> like, believe me, I'm sometimes I try to get, you know, try to bring as much personality as I can. Sometimes it's tough when you're, you know, you're going through statistics, you're going through players' abilities and stuff and skill sets and stuff. Sometimes it can get a little repetitive or whatnot but sometimes you do want to like have a little personality and uh, and i don't blame kids for like having fun out there you know after a big play when you hit the deep three like i would, I would do the same thing i'll be celebrating too i'm a little bit more humble believe me not i'm we all know i'm a little bit more laid back and humble i'm not the one that, that's a rah-rah type of person but if that's who he is and that's his personality, let him be who he wants to be. Like, I hate when people try to, like, just because you're that way and you're not, you're like a robot, you act like you want to just just be like everyone else and just be quiet or just 
not show attention to yourself doesn't mean that that person is going to be that way. Everyone has their own personality. Just let them be who they are. And that's all Peter Kiss is doing. So I don't know why there's so much commotion. I don't know why there's so much hate towards his, toward him, towards him for that. All he, all I see it is that he's having fun. He's doing what he loves doing, and he's passionate about it, and he shows it in his game. I mean, I'm just surprised the refs didn't like give him technicals or anything else. So normally, you'll see that you're seeing that more often. That like even in the NFL. You don't see, you can't, you don't even see the celebrations because you're gonna, you're worried about unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. So it was fun to see, you know, see him do all that, and hopefully he can bring that in the tournament setting. Hopefully he can make some noise and, and shut people up, man. That'll be what I like to see because, like I said, it's it's a lot different scoring 30, 40 points against St. Peter's in the Northeast Conference. Or if that is if that's even a team in the Northeast Conference, I think I don't know, they play Quinnipiac. I don't know. It's just I don't know all the all the all. It's like over three hundred college basketball teams. It is like completely tough to keep up with all these teams. But all I know is that he's doing a lot of work against a lot of lower end competition. It'll be fun to see him play because I it looks apparent. By the way he's blowing by people and the way he's like literally just going doing what he wants to do out there out there in the court, it's pretty apparent that like the ability of him is much much more higher than than pretty much everyone that's at his competition because he was in a big ten his first school he played at Rutgers he started at Rutgers. That didn't work out. Then he transferred to, I believe, Quinnipiac. And then he ended up, you know, here in Bryant. So, when I say here, I don't even live in Smithfield. That's where Bryant's campus is in Smithfield, Rhode Island. I don't live in Smithfield. I'm a little, I'm, a, I know of that area. Let's just say that. I've been, I've been to Smithfield before, but, uh, so yeah, he's pretty much, Doing his thing in Smithfield, Rhode Island. Scoring a, a, a gazillion points. Pretty much against bad competition. We're going to have to see how he does against higher level teams. And most likely they're probably going to be ranging from 16 to 14. Or possibly they might, maybe they might get 13. I don't think they'll get 13 seed. I think they'll get anywhere from 16 to 14. They'll get either 16 or, or 14 seed. And it, if they get one of that, one of those seeds, and I'm, I'm thinking maybe your 15 or 16 seed. I'm thinking that's what they're going to get. So they're probably going to have to face a number one or number two seed. That's if they have to make it to the, the full bracket. They might get a 16 seed, which I, I just mentioned. Yeah, a 15, 16 seed. I, I was talking about the 14 seed, but they, don't, they have lost nine games on the year. So I don't think of. I don't think they would be close to getting a, a 14 seed. I think Vermont might end up getting a 14 seed. If that's what, it, what I'm going to pretty much have a prediction on. I think Vermont deserves to get a 14 seed because they played great basketball all year long. And Bryant, they've only they've won nine games this year, so they definitely have slipped a bit. But they've, been, they've had pretty good competition 
they they played against pretty good teams. You take a look at Brian's schedule. So, like I said, they played against Rhode Island. They lost by 20. They lost to Clemson by 20. So, yeah, I don't think they deserve to be, you know, a 14 seed. I think they deserve to be possibly a 15 or 16 seed. So, that's probably what they'll end up getting. But either way, they're in the tournament. I think Vermont's well on their way of getting a tournament, but they probably need to take care of business because that, that is a weak conference that they're in. If they don't take care of business, they probably may not get into the tournament. So Vermont has to take care of business and win their conference and beat UMB, UMBC. And Brian has to do what they've got to do, which they already did. They beat Wagner in, in the championship game. So we're under one... Under two minutes against UConn and Villanova, Villanova was up 60 to 55. So I'm going to just ch check this game out real quick. Because it's definitely crunch time right now. Gillespie. Oh, good block. So all UConn does is block shots. Such good length. So no go gets the offensive board. So they cut it to to cut it to three here. Made a one possession game under one minute to go. They're in business. And speaking up, UConn. A nice segue there. UConn twenty two and eight on the year. I like I just said early on. I thought I think they're the most talented team in the Big East. Pound for pound. I think Villanova's got a good player in Colin Gillespie. And they have the best coach in the conference. And they might they might be I don't know. They got some good high high end talent too for Villanova. But I think I just like UConn's versatility on both ends of the floor, man. If they play up to their potential, man. If they played up to their potential. Cause they have a lot of you know, pieces, especially on the defensive end, they should be better defensively. But they're doing a good job in this one, you know, keeping the games in the 60s. They didn't really make this a, um, a up-tempo game. They pretty much kept it a tight, you know, old-school type of grudge match type of game. So it should be fun. I'm just. But yeah, I would just say with their talent level. Their defense is one of the best in the country. And. It, even though the stats don't say it, if you look at. They got guys like. Sonogo. One of the top blockers in the, in the country. You got Whaley. One of the top blockers in the country. You have Akuk. That doesn't get a lot of time, but when he does, he's a, he's a shot blocking machine. Jackson's a very good wing wing defender. 
Dawkins is a pretty good wing defender. Um, Poli's pretty okay too. Tyrese Martin can guard multiple positions. Has very good versatility on both ends of the floor. So, I mean, they have a lot of pieces on both ends. See, that's the thing, man. That is the thing, man. Sonogo loses the ball. It's all about execution sometimes. You can have all the talent in the world if you don't execute. This is this is something that he should that that is a rebound he's got to make, bro. He's got to make that rebound. <laughs> oh my god. That is that is crazy, man. Providence and Yukon. The local teams just ain't getting it done, man. Just ain't getting it done. I mean, Providence and UConn will both be in the tournament, but how far are they really going to go? Like, they can't execute simple rebounds. They can't even they can't even secure simple rebounds down the stretch. These, it's good to have these close games in the conference tournament. It's good preparation for the tournament. You're going to have these situations in the tournament for sure. Man, that, that's... All you have to do is secure the rebound, man. That's all you have to do is secure the rebound. <laughs> Just secure the rebound. It's very simple. So it looks like UConn may not win this one. It's only 15 seconds left. Villanova shooting free throws here. And they're in the bonus. You see they Yeah, so they got the front end so or the one on one. So yeah, Villanova cut you know, they extended it to four. They're gonna they're most likely gonna win. But yeah, UConn's got all the talent in the world, they got all the depth in the world. They got a lot of pieces they can go. They go about seven, possibly eight deep in their bench. I think they only played seven tonight, but they got a lot of versatility. So it's like it's it could be frustrating when you got teams like Providence and UConn not able to execute up to their potential. Oh man, they're. I swear Jackson has the ugliest shot, but it goes in. <laughs> Jackson has the ugliest shot. But it went in, though. It went in. So they cut it to two. So they have a prayer of a chance left. Eight seconds to go. Sorry, folks. I'm just, I'm just so into this game. It's kind of, I wish it was like a live stream. Then I'd, I wouldn't feel like, like damn. <laughs> but yeah, I have to definitely see what's gonna happen with this game and the end of this game. And they face off against Creighton for the Big East final. While they're in timeout, I 
just mentioned, a lot of the, the players I just mentioned, you know, the offensive and defensive versatility. R.J. Cole is pretty much their, you know, crate, you know, their creator on the offensive end. I wouldn't consider him a bucket because he's got to be a little bit more efficient as a scorer. Shoots only 41% on the, on the year. But if, if it's someone that you'll probably say, oh, go get us a bucket, R.J. Cole's the guy that will do that. But I really think Tyrese Martin is the most talented offensive player all around. I think he can do a lot more on the offensive end than R.J. Cole can. You call the way they're constructed. It's like I don't know. It's gonna be interesting to see how Klingian, uh Donovan Klingian is gonna make that team look next year, or or the year. I mean, he might have to have a year to develop. May not be ready his for his freshman year, but be interested to see how they how they use him. Yeah. Oh, so they're definitely, definitely looking to close this one out for sure. And you look at Providence, what they did early on, they absolutely completely had a no-show against Creighton. It's like they were just like, so you know what, I'm just, we already know we're going to have a pretty decent seed in, in the, what well, I don't think though, I mean, they're still playing for seeding. You know, a lot of these conference tournament games are, are important for seeding. So if you just like, have a lame duck game that might hurt you with the committee. So when Providence losing by twenty something points against a team that they should have beaten, they maybe if they would have won the beast tournament, maybe they would have got a maybe a two or three seed. But they might have a four, maybe fifth seed. You never know. They might drop them to because looks like Villanova looks like they could get a number two seed. Wow, missed the free throw. Martin. Oh, he missed it. Oh, okay, so Villanova won. That's the final. 63 to 60. So if Villanova wins the Big East, I would think. Because they're right now eighth in the country. So I would say they might get a number two seed. Maybe number three. But they got a really competitive conference. Big East has had a pretty good year this year. Decent year. Not a great year, but a decent year. So maybe a three seed. Maybe maybe a three seed. I don't think they're a two seed, but possibly a three seed. And then UConn's probably going to fall as a four seed. And then Villanova, uh, Providence might end up falling as a fifth seed after their performance. I know they didn't expect that coming in. They could have been somewhere maybe a two seed the way they were playing all year long. They only lost two or three games on the year, but but after the way they lost that game, they could easily fall to a possibly fourth or fifth seed easily. And then we talk about Providence. Um, the others are the key with Providence. If they want to have a, a deep tournament run, it's going to depend on the others. It's going to depend on guys like uh, Jared Bynum and Al Durham 
in Reeves, in Manaya. If those guys don't play well, they they played like crap today. So if those guys don't play well, then it's going to be tough because Nate Watson is getting doubled consistently every game. Like they're not allowing Nate Watson to get going. We all know Nate Watson's their best player, but they're not allowing him to get going in games and they're just taking the ball out of his hands. So it's going to be up to Bynum, Durham, and Reeves, and Manaya to kind of get in the lane and create dribble penetration to open things up for Nate Watson. To even create things for Nate Watson. I know it's tough. You know, they don't really have a true point guard. And that sometimes that really hurts them. If they can get an opportunity to give Nate Watson a touch, they don't have guys that can really thread the needle and make tough passes inside. So it's it's been tough for Nate Watson of late to really get going offensively and really get into the game. So... And then you got Horchley as a wild card. He can he can get hot, he can hit threes, but then he can completely be an O-show like, like today and not show up. But one thing about Villanova, they got a very good leader in Gillespie, and that dude shows up every game. I think he's one of the more consistent guys. If he's not the biggest player of the year, man, he has to be he has to be possibly the biggest player of the year. Like he's having a great season right now. So, so it's tough, man. I think with these local teams, um, it all depends on matchups. All depends on matchups. With Providence, hopefully, they get a good seed and they draw like a team that is small, where Nate Watson can dominate because Nate Watson's a strong guy. If he can get a matchup where he's playing against a smaller team of a lower lower conference, then he'll dominate in the paint. And Horsley will dominate the paint. Horsley's one of the better rebounders and one of the better rebounders in the conference. So But yeah, they're a tough team. You know, they play with a lot of heart and grit. They play they play out their out their heads. And I think that's probably what it is these past couple weeks. I think Province is playing off Playing out of out of their maybe their talent scale. I still think they're talented. I still think they they have the ability to kind of make some noise in the in the postseason. But I wouldn't think they would go no more than maybe the Sweet Sixteen, depending on what matchup they get in the first two rounds. It all depends on the matchups because if they play a bigger team that has has a guy that can guard Nate Watson one-on-one or even have the ability to double team and really, cause it's going to, that will be the key. And just, if they do get double, uh, will they be able to make their threes? Cause they didn't really shoot well against Creighton today. So if they don't shoot well, they're going to have problems winning a lot of games in the tournament. It's going to, that's going to be the key for Providence. Can they make their threes? Can they get in the lane and penetrate? Great opportunities so that way Nate Watson can kind of get some openings inside so that they're not always double teaming him. But that's probably going to be the game plan because it's, it's been working against Providence. The double team has been working against Nate Watson. It's definitely been what a lot of these Big East teams have adjusted to, and it's what they've been 
able to really, because like we're seeing a lot of win, loss of we've seen a lot of losses of late from Providence. It's because of, of how the Big East has adjusted to how they're playing Providence. They adjusted, and the scouting report is to double team Watson, make make all the others beat you, and that's it's sometimes it's hurt teams, sometimes it's helped teams, but most of the time. That's probably the best alternative instead of having Nate Watson get a big game and score 20 and 10 on you. That's probably the best alternative than, than just allowing you know, him to get easy paint touches and how, allow him to really um, solidify himself and get himself confident to, to let all his other players be confident as well. But uh, yeah, and then to wrap things up because I'm I'm already hitting an hour already for this segment, which I thought I was gonna split it into two segments, but I'm probably gonna just do one more segment for the high school basketball. But to wrap things up, you got the Yale, the Yale from the Ivy League. They're in the semifinal against Penn. They play Penn tomorrow at two p.m. Key matchup, I would have to say, is Isaiah Swain versus Jordan Dingle. Those guys are one of the better scorers in the country, particularly Jordan Dingle. Jordan Dingle's almost averaging 21 points a game. Isaiah Swain is averaging almost 19 a game. So those guys can both fill it up. Isaiah Swain's have well over 1,000 points in his career. Jordan Dingle, I don't really know the specifics on him as far as that, but I know that he has definitely been a huge year for Penn. And uh, we've seen uh, Dingle play, uh, play, uh, I played Yale the last time they played Yale. And, and he was able to score 31 in the last matchup. So... We have to see what John Jones is going to do as an adjustment, and what he was, what he's able to uh, do to defend Dingle because they have to stop Dingle. They can't let him get going. Key thing: Do you double him? Do you do you trap him? Do you do you put a bigger guy on him? I would think Gabadon will probably guard him. He's six five. Dingle stands at six three. So maybe they put Gavin on him. Maybe they put uh, Matthew Cotton on him. Maybe they put um, no Matt Nolan on him. Miss Matt Nolan's played pretty good. The Eastern Catholic grad, Eastern Catholic high school grad. Yeah, not Eastern Cap, East Catholic, which is one of the I would say top programs in Connecticut. Which we'll get to that later on in the second segment. But uh, yeah, to wrap things up. To make a prediction on who's going to win that uh, Yale Penn game, I would say Penn. I know Yale has been playing good basketball late, but Penn's been playing really good basketball late as well. And I think Penn has an X factor in Dingle. I've seen the film on him; he's pretty much unguardable out there. Has a lot of different shots. He plays well off of his teammates. He plays well off it of, he plays a very good screen game where he can kind of use handoffs and 
and come off of ball screens and pin downs, and he can play deadly either from whether it's shooting or slashing to the rim or hitting mid-range jumpers or pull-ups and runners. He's got all kinds of a variety of different shots he can make. There's a reason why he's scoring 20 points a game in college on D1 levels, so it's a reason why. He's really good. You can pretty much say the same thing with Peter Kiss. Um, Still playing at lower levels, but Ivy League's a a respectable conference. I mean, they do have some, you know, pretty good teams. And I think um, whoever wins this game is probably going to play against Princeton. I don't think Princeton's going to lose. They're probably the best team in the Ivy League right now. And they're expected to to win the Ivy League. So whoever wins this game is going to play against Princeton. And and that's going to be too tough for any of these teams, both of those teams, to face off against. Princeton's having a great season. And they're one of the better offensive teams in 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 the entire country. They've been very good all season long offensively. So we're going to wrap this up. You listen to the Rims and Nets podcast. Your host, Rob Morris. We'll be back with the second segment. Preview all the high school ball around Mass, Connecticut, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, Connecticut. And pretty much all over the New England region. We'll be right back.